0: Oh my god, what's up party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Andy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you are so inclined. You do you though. Um, this week we're just getting all all colonialist. I mean, kind of technically, yeah, in The Mystery of the Fire Dragon. You know where this is going oh my god um because I haven't done a cover or description in a while um this one has Nancy wearing a very fetching yellow dress which makes me think of that excellent scene in that Nancy Drew fanfic that my bestie Little Miss Messy wrote where Ned was like you know what me and my new wife need to have some oral sex right now getting back on topic um Nancy has definitely read a share on this cover like, there's no disguising it. She's also got some really nice gold jewelry happening, and she's got red nail polish to coordinate with her red lipstick. She's just rocking it. She's doing good work. That hair is shiny, and she is looking like she is dressed to so impress. Um, the dress is belted, which is an interesting look, but it's the design of the cover is such that she's the focal point, as always as almost always, um, she's in some sort of, it's kind of weird because it's as though she's standing very close to a circular something, like possibly a gate, but there's nothing actually within the gate. There's a lot of silhouettes of people who are wearing what I would consider traditional, stereotypical, what, what we think of in the West as Chinese hats, and there's a, fireworks fire dragon just to drive home the point and she's looking at two guys one is a bearded older looking gentleman and one is a guy sneaking up behind him and you're like how do you know and it's because he's white and he's got his hand out like he's about to attack this dude so yeah that's what we got on the cover uh this is 1961 and Nancy's hair has this nice little flip at the ends of it which is a thing that's going to be popular for her for most of this decade Um, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of even cover over to carry over to the files. So Fire Dragon is interesting in that for the first time, Ned is doing something that's actually, you you look at it and go, really? Tell me everything. This book opens with Nancy reading a letter aloud to her father. Because it's 1961, what else do you have to do? And you're like, watch TV possibly. Or listen to the radio or do literally anything else. But anyway, so it's a letter from Ned. Ned is an exchange student. He has gone for a semester in Hong Kong, and he also says that he would like to work for the Secret Service. That's, That's one of the things that he's actually considering doing. He'd like to go into the United States Intelligence Service um, he's learning to speak some Cantonese, is how she refers to it in the book, I feel like that's an outdated term for the language, but that's how she's referring to it in the book, um, he's it should make him very valuable in a number of fields, and I'm like, it's interesting to me that our, we didn't really change that for, like, 50 fucking years, where it's like, learning a lot about China would be useful for you, um, and in the letter, Ned says, can't you find a mystery to solve in this far-off colony so I might show you around? And I was like, everyone knows what that's code for. Y'all are common-law married at this point. You've been dating for nearly 30 years. It's, it's very much a maybe commit to each other or admit that you've got three children together. I don't know. Anyway. The thing is that in this book and there's there's a lot of shit happening and I feel like I'm I'm probably like I should flip through it and go along with it with you but that's probably not going to happen. Um Carson's like, "Yes, I have a thing happening and it's going to be amazing and you should definitely come with me." And it plays absolutely zero role in the rest of the book. The the thing is that Carson will like find an excuse to take Nancy along on some sort of trip like oh, you can help me solve this mystery. And it feels very much like he's expense accounting everything. (laughs) Where he's like, I mean, the law firm is going to pay for the hotel because I'm investigating a thing. And also it's going to pay for our lunches because we're going to be discussing our case. And so therefore, for tax reasons, you are my assistant. But there's some sort of, I think, will dispute that he says that he's going to be investigating that may take him all the way to China. So... Although technically, again, we're talking about Hong Kong, which at this point was a colony and all sorts of fun things that Ned gets to tell Nancy about when she arrives. Because spoiler alert, guess what, bitch? She's going. Because of course, Ned's abroad. He's going to need some loving. And she's here for that. Nancy decides to go to New York beforehand because her Aunt Eloise has written to her. And I'm pretty sure that this is what happens. Um, and she's like, guess who has a mystery to solve, which happens in like every third book. And then she's like, Oh, hooray, another trip to New York. And you're like, Yes, you you literally like every three months you're like, you know what? I'm going back. Maybe I haven't seen everything. Maybe there's more things. For plot purposes, there there seemed to be absolutely no other purpose that I can possibly understand for this. Um, there's her and Eloise lived in a large apartment which was subdivided into two apartments, and I was like Does this mean that she legit had the apartment and then her landlord was like, guess what? I want you to live in half of this and I'm going to put a wall down the middle. I don't, it's worded very strangely, but anyway, for plot reasons, again, um, the people in the apartment that are in the other half of Eloise's apartment are an elderly Chinese dude and his shit. Shit damn it. I don't know. Niece? Maybe? Daughter? Granddaughter? I, a female relative. Okay, let's just settle on that. Let's just go with that. Um, so elderly Chinese dude, female relative, and he has a twin brother, because of course he fucking does. I mean, my god, the place is just swimming with twin brothers. Um, so his twin brother is still back in Hong Kong, and yeah. The thing is that she has disappeared. The female relative. Damn it! I should look it up, but I just I just don't care. <laughs> this is a problem for me, because um, I like to do these book reports without actually looking at the damn book that I'm referring to most of the time. Um, so anyway, the female relative has disappeared, and Aunt Eloise found a note that was kind of slid between under the door between their their apartments because they connect as though it's a suite in a hotel, it's, that's just really fucking creepy, um, and so Aunt Eloise saw the note, and it says something like, don't, I think it's his grandfather, I think that she's the granddaughter, that, I think so, um, it says, like, don't, don't freak him out or anything, um, I will try to be back soon, but be careful. Like it's, it's so vague and it actually ends mid note. Like it's clearly she was cut off or interrupted when she was writing it. And so the female relative granddaughter slid it under the door, like knowing that it it was incomplete and I wasn't going to give her the whole story. And I was like, of course not, because if it had, there would be no book. So, and Eloise invites Nancy. Nancy, of course, invites Bess and George who are like, hell yeah, we would love this. Um, cause always yes. So, they go up to Anne Eloise's apartment, and they go next door, and they meet the elderly gentleman. So, apparently, when the granddaughter left the note, she left a separate note for her grandfather. And the separate note for her grandfather said, oh, I'm going away with some college friends. I don't know when I'll be back. Don't worry about me. Um, I'm going to have a good time. Peace out. And he was like, fuck yeah. How do I picture him? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, like, No. (laughs) I was about to say, like Raylan Givens' dad on Justified, but that is not true because he was a mean old man, and this this is a little sweet dude. Um, they talk to him about what he's doing, and apparently he is he considers himself kind of like a historian or archaeologist, and so he says that he's done some explorations and some research, and he's written a book about it. And he's like, oh, is it anything that's like particularly like hidden or mysterious or secret or anything like that? And he's like no it's just uh, this place that I thought was cool I'm writing a foreword to it so I've got the the bulk of it done Um, I think that he talks about some artwork that he found particularly useful or of interest and AC's like oh that's that's really cool but like that's that is his passion that's the thing he's been working on and so he's staying in the United States with his granddaughter while she's attending college in New York so that's fun but again we have the connecting door I'm just going to say that. So, the granddaughter's missing, and Nancy says, okay, can you tell me anything about, like, her, the people she hangs out with, um, what she does for fun, anything like that. And the grandfather's like, oh, she's very studious, she has some friends at the college, and I'm sure that those are the pers- the people that she's out with. And, again, Nancy has to be really careful, because she doesn't want to, like, alert him that his granddaughter has been, like, possibly kidnapped. And again, they don't know, like maybe she met a dude and she's just going to go bang him for the weekend, just bang him like a storm door. But so Nancy's like, okay, so, you know, anything else you can tell me. And apparently the granddaughter was working part-time at a bookstore that was close to campus, not a campus bookstore, not like textbooks, more of a like rare or antique or used bookstore, like a, a fancy, a fancy bookstore. Which, as soon as I read that, I was like, is this going to turn into The Big Sleep? Which, I've read this book before. I know it doesn't turn into The Fucking Big Sleep. Although, I fucking love The Big Sleep. I'm going to need to read that again. So, Nancy decides that she's going to, like, go to campus. Find out if maybe the granddaughter left any sort of sign with anybody. Find out if she did actually go off with somebody at school. And when she goes to talk to them, they're all like... And she apparently was... I think she was staying with her, her grandfather at the apartment but she was also hanging out with the foreign exchange students and they say that they were they were pretty close to her but they had not heard about her going off with anybody and they would know because they are the the group that she hung out with but Nancy decides that she wants to like kind of try things out a little bit she looks at George and she's like George We're going to put you in yellow face. And, like, oh, my God. When I was reading the book, the way that they word it, and they're very subtle about this, they're like, oh, well, we're just going to, like, modify your makeup slightly and give you a little bit of a haircut and put you in her clothes. And you're going to look like her. And I was like, okay, thus far, and it's never referred to as George looking as though she is not, like, basically, like, white Anglo-Saxon prostate. Like, she looks like she's good old European stock. And so when they're like, yeah, we're just going to modify your cheekbones slightly. When I was reading this when I was younger, like, I wouldn't have questioned this. I would have been like, oh, yes, of course. And now I'm reading it and going, oh, my God, what were... Were you doing weird things with eyeliner? Were you doing some weird contouring? What was happening here? Were you watching weird TikTok videos telling you how to just wear, like, racist outfits? What were you doing? So they dress her up to look like the possibly probably kidnapped Chinese woman and she fucking passes so the people who's like people actually look at her on campus and they're like oh there's one person who was friends with her who walks over and she's like oh my gosh hey and then she goes oh you're you're not who I thought you were so like from a distance apparently but I do love that she when she gets close up to her she's like oh hell no no you ain't her So they do talk to her, and she's like, yeah, she was really sweet. Um, She was always really respectful. And Nancy's like, cool, can you tell me anything else about her? And she's like, "Uh, the bookstore, Uh, which um, I called the bookstore to see, you know, if she was working there, and they said that she had basically taken a leave of absence. So I was wondering if maybe I could, like, start working there. And Nancy's like, perfect. You should do that. Um, When they're on campus like there's a few times where George poses as the missing Chinese girl. And I think it's when they're on campus that George is walking and she and Nancy and Bess are like investigating another lead or talking to some other people about it. But, and they want George to be walking by herself because they think that if, if she's seen with Nancy, that they'll like notice that there's something wrong. Um, Somebody walks up to her and they're like, how did you get out? And they start like basically ushering her toward a car when somebody in the car is like, that ain't her, like drop it. And so they're like, oh, snap. And then they get in the car and drive off. And George is like, damn it. Because of course, if they had kidnapped her, they would have taken to the location that they're apparently holding the Chinese girl. And so George is like, yeah, I got a feeling that, yeah, it, it feels like she's been kidnapped. And Nancy's like, that seems legit. We're going to go check out the bookstore. So almost as soon as Nancy gets to the apartment house, to in New York to stay with her Aunt Eloise, which of course um, Carson is staying back home to settle up some will stuff before he comes to visit because we can't have Carson cramping Nancy's style slash cock blocking. Um, somebody sets up a fucking firecracker in the hallway in Aunt Eloise's apartment, like very close to the apartment to the point that Nancy is like, I was close enough to feel the heat from that. That that ain't, that shit ain't cool. That shit ain't cool. The person, of course, runs away. Um, Nancy's like, that feels like it's significant, might be a distraction, although my favorite thing about this is that there's another point in the book where somebody sets off firecrackers in the hallway, and Nancy goes into the apartment that is right next to theirs, where the elderly Chinese gentleman is, and she's like, hey, did somebody set off some firecrackers in the hallway? Do you know anything about that? And he's like, do you think because I'm fucking Chinese that I would know something about some fucking firecrackers in the fucking hallway? And Nancy's like... Uh, I'm asking everybody on the hall, but also no, and he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) I did love, though, that he was calling her out for it, where he was like, just because it's fireworks, really, bitch, I did love that, that was nice, um, but yeah, he's working on his manuscripts. he's, he's trying to finish that shit up, and they keep reassuring, they're like, oh, I'm sure she's having fun with her friends, looking at, like the Liberty Bell and some shit. It's fine. So yeah. So they decided to go to the bookstore. Again, I was immediately like, is there a room in back where they're just shooting straight out porn? Like, because of course, any, any used bookstore, I'm like the big sleep. So they go in and they're like, Oh, is the girl who's normally working here? And he's like, Oh, because when they walk in, some, like, fucking busybody is there. She's like, oh, what are you here for? And Nancy's like, oh, I'm just looking on books about China. And the woman's like, oh, my God, yes, China is the best. I love it. It is so cool. I'm just waiting for the proprietor to get here because he is so late all the damn time. I don't know what keeps him up. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, Can I'm, I'm just going to go browse. So, yeah, shh, just hush. Bess and George are like, oh my God, did she ever shut up? So the guy finally walks in and Nancy's like, well, she's talking about him. This, this busybody is talking about the proprietor. So like they have a relationship, which is a little weird. Like he's always late. Like how often are you here, bitch? But they don't really find anything. Like they they look around. Um, they, they're they like, okay, so it's just everything seems to be fairly normal here. They don't see anything that's really standing out to them. So it's a good lead, though. And so whenever Nancy talks to the friend that they ran into on campus, she's like, hey, you were talking about maybe getting a job at the bookstore? And she's like, yeah. She says, you should 100% do that because I think there's something sketch about that place. Bess particularly thinks that there's something a little bit weird about that busybody lady. Like... She seems a bit fishy. She seems like she knows a little bit more than she should. And she's asking questions about everything. So, um, they go back to the apartment house. And I think at some point there's, um, they come back at one point and it's, it appears that the one next to theirs has been ransacked. Now there was a part in the book where, um they tried to bolt everything, but they forgot to bolt the door between the apartments. And it looks like somebody broke into Aunt Eloise's apartment, crossed over, went into the other apartment, ransacked the place. Um, they took the picture of the granddaughter that Nancy had been using to, um, compare George with basically so that they could make her look like her. Again, so many, so many problems. Um, and they fucking like knocked out the Chinese dude. And he's just laying on the floor like oh my god and they're like hey hey babe what's what's up and he's like they took the manuscript and he's, he's like uh, i thought it was like a just basic manuscript and he's like it's it's all of my work and i was like oh shit it's 1961 he he seems old school he seems like he was writing that shit out by hand so damn but yeah they took they, they cleaned off his desk. They took his entire manuscript. They just walked off with it. They took the, and they hit him on the head or something. I don't know. Um, like with a phone maybe. And I don't think it went that far. Um, they took the picture. I think they took like maybe something else from the granddaughter's room, but, and I think they, that he received some kind of note like pretty soon after. Now, the thing is that I think the piece of stationery that the, like, I'm I'm not going to say I'm being kidnapped, but I'm being kidnapped note, I think that that was on a piece of stationery that had, like, a little red fire dragon in the corner, hence the name of the book. So Nancy was like, ooh, this seems like a clue, and they go look in Chinatown, and they, they go to some stationery shops, and she's able to track down the stationery, but apparently it's not, like, unique to that store it's possible that the person bought it at that store, but it's not necessarily, like, it wasn't special order or anything. And he's like, oh, okay, well, okay. <laughs> so she buys a few sheets of it just in case she needs it because she's like, if, if people are using this for any sort of code or any sort of way that they're passing across secret messages, at least now I've got some so I can fuck with them. Okay, so after old dude is knocked out, his ass got not completely the fuck out, um, they call the cops, and of course the cops show up, and they're taking fingerprints, and they're asking about, you know, a description of the guy, who, of course, his hat was pulled low, and he was strong, but tiny, and, like, well, not tiny, but definitely, like, a shorter dude, he was a short king, um, so they're going around taking fingerprints, like, you know, finding fingerprints wherever they can, taking handprints, things like that, Nancy's sitting there watching, like, yes, yes, I'm familiar with all these techniques, good job, y'all, good job, and so she says, if you are able to track him using those fingerprints, I'm sure that you will let me know, and they're like, I guess we can, and I was like, I love that she's your boss, I love that she's like, I know every single one of you, I know every single thing that you fucked up, so guess what, bitch, you're gonna keep me abreast of things, I'm your commissioner now, Just let it be known. So, like she legit talks to the captain, and the captain's like, "Yes, I shall tell you everything that's going on with this investigation. You're doing great." So, um, Mister the old dude, Mister Snow, goes to the hospital, um, because he is that frail and that upset by things. Side note: I was thinking about this and going, "Okay," a lot of the times in these books, Nancy is interacting with old, frail people and young orphans. And that seems to be like her wheelhouse. That's, that's where she likes to hang out. Also stagecoaches. So it's kind of interesting to me because again, if we're talking about like people who would be considered fringe by society, like that does make a lot of sense. Also the fact that he's an immigrant, he, it feels like in the book, like he, he doesn't plan to stay in the United States. I'm, I'm not quite sure based on the book, like I guess he came to accompany his granddaughter so that she would have a chaperone, so she'd have somebody with her, like, things like that. He can speak English, but, like, yeah, somebody who may not necessarily be looked upon with a lot of kindness. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I do love, though, that he was like, really, just because I'm from China, you think I would know who was setting up fucking fireworks in the hallway? Um, Yeah, so he goes to the hospital. And Nancy's like, oh, we should get George to dress up as the granddaughter and go to the hospital. And Bess was like, but who's he, going to know that she's not as grand? And Nancy's like, no, no, that's that's not it. We want her to go to the hospital in the hopes that, like, somebody's going to see her and maybe try something. So, Yeah. So George goes to the hospital, kind of like lingers in the gift shop or whatever. and Nancy and Beth go up to visit him, and he's like, "Oh, I got some flowers, and I'm I'm sure they're from my granddaughter." And they're like, "Oh, can we see them?" And there's a card with it that says like basically best wishes for a speedy recovery, and it's got a little fire dragon on it. And Nancy's like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's fabulous. You're doing you're doing great. Um, let us know if any other flowers show up, especially if they're like." Black and death looking. So you do you though. It's gonna be fine. We're gonna we're gonna find that damn manuscript. <laughs> anyway. And they think about it, and he's he's talking about like how it's kind of an archaeology research historical thing. But again, he's not necessarily saying that it's gonna be groundbreaking or anything, just that he, he find he feels that it's an important book, but anyway. So yeah. So the next thing that they do is they have their contact in the bookstore, of course, after she's gone to work there. And she calls Nancy and she's like, I think I have something for you. And Nancy's like, Hell yeah, they are shooting porn in the back room. They're they're not, they're not. There's not even hints of that. Cause I would tell you. Because I love the big sleep. Anyway, so good. The thing that the friend has found out is that there's apparently a book that has some words underlined and she feels like that's significant because when she was looking at it the boss was like oh that's like you need to leave it alone or some shit so she wants to basically get Nancy in there so Nancy can at least look at the book or something so um and Nancy decides to go the next day um so she and Bess and George go in because, again, Nancy wants to make sure that that busybody, whose name is like Trueheart or Truesdale or whatever the fuck, bitch, so that that bitch doesn't interfere with what she's doing. So Bess and George are like, oh my gosh, your hair it looks so neat. Where do you go get it done? And so Nancy can go over to the shelf and pull down the book. The book in question, of course, is basically like a travel book about China. And Nancy flips through and I think that she finds like something marking a specific page that the words Mahjong sets are underlined in in pencil. And Nancy's like, yeah, sure, sure. Mahjong sets, sure. We're all familiar. So she takes the book to the counter and she tries to buy it from the friend when the store owner walks in and he's like, oh no, 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 you can't can't buy that book. And Nancy's like, "Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I thought this was a bookstore full of books for purchase. Um do you mind elaborating? And he's like, "Oh no, no. Some, somebody else bought this book and I just I forgot to take it down off the shelf. I'm really, really sorry." Um Yeah, I I just can't sell you that. And Nancy was like, "Um well, I uh, okay. That seems really fucking odd, but okay." So, at some point in this, um, Nancy, Bess, and George go back to Aunt Eloise's apartment to regroup for whatever reason, and Aunt Eloise goes over to, I cannot fucking remember how they, they say it. it, was, it was weird, like, I had to turn to my mom and be like, okay, so what did they make of this? Eloise goes over to start the pilot light on the oven, like, apparently there's an automatic pilot light, as and she presses a button to start the pilot light, because, you know, you might not want to leave it on all the time and the oven fucking explodes like the door fucking flies off and hits Eloise in the back because Eloise had turned around to like get sour cream out of the refrigerator or something and everyone in the room is like what the living shit just happened um but the explosion is so loud that people in the hallway are like what the fuck is going on there's like a group of other tenants and they're like, look, this is ludicrous. Y'all are the worst. Like you need to get out of here. What they're saying though, is that they are blaming the Chinese immigrants for this. They're like, it's their fault. Ever since they moved in here, like things have been exploding and things have been weird. And Nancy was like, look, like, Nancy senses that the crowd is getting to be a real complete bitch right now. Like there's like, I probably like four or five, not, I don't think any, more than 10 people in the hallway. They're like, yeah, this is just ludicrous. And Nancy's like, look, first off, they didn't do this. It's somebody trying to intimidate them. Second, I know that all of you are very observant and you have been looking around for things. And I know that probably at least one of you saw the person who probably did this. Like she turns it into like, you know, you, you can help, you can help do something about this instead of just being complete assholes. And one woman is like, um, so I saw somebody like earlier and describes him and it's the same guy who came in and attacked the old dude. And she's like, yeah, I just I saw him, but I, like, he looked like he was up to no good, and I was scared, so I just you know walked away from it. Um, trying to think, this would not have been um thirty-eight who saw police, thirty-eight who saw murder did not call police. This wouldn't have been around them, but there's, there's definitely that same feel of like, I keep to myself, I. I don't want any trouble, but I'm going to blame you because you're different. And so I do like that Nancy was like, look, fuck off. This ain't on him. Um, so yeah, she looks inside the oven and she sees pieces of the same kind of firework that were thrown like almost immediately on her arrival to the point that you're like, again, the vast spy network of all of the criminals in Nancy Drew's world are aware of her movements at all times. So, so, yeah, that that fucking sucks. And I think that around this time, um, Aunt Eloise, like, has an all-day meeting. And so, Bess agrees that she's going to go out and do the shopping for her. Like, she's going to have to go to two or three different stores. And she doesn't come back. And Eloise is like, she should be back. Like, she went to neighborhood stores. She should be back. It's it's not like she went, had to go, like, you know, an hour away or anything. And Nancy's like, okay, so she traces Bess's steps, and she finds the first place that Bess went that was, uh, you know, nothing out of the ordinary happened. She goes to the next place, and the cashier is like, oh, yeah, this woman came in and was talking to her, and she was really nice to her, and she walked out with her. Like, I think that she said she was going to give her a ride. And Nancy's like, oh, shit, okay, okay, that's cool. So, meanwhile, <laughs> the narrative shifts to Bess who is being like harassed and browbeaten by this couple because apparently when the when the woman approached her in the store and she was like oh you've got so much shopping to do like do you have a ride home Bess was like oh I mean I'll be fine and the woman was like oh no my car's right out front my husband's driving I'll give you a ride and Bess was like that'd be great and then she got into the woman's car and then she was like oh shit so they're like tell us what Nancy Drew's doing or, or we're going to we're gonna make it bad for you. And Bess was like, look, fuck off. <laughs> she was like, I'm not going to tell you jack shit. <laughs> and I fucking love it. Like, Bess is like, look, what, what are you going to do to me? Like, w- we don't know anything. I don't know what the fuck you think we know, but we don't know anything. <laughs> and finally, they're like, Bess is like, and you're gonna take me back home, okay? Like, just just shut the fuck up with this. Like, Bess is nervous and scared about what's going on, but she's like, you know, if, if you wanted to kill me, you already would have. If, you know, what are you saying? Did you lose track of the girl you kidnapped? And they were like, she's in a place you'll never find her. And Bess was like, okay, then what are we here to talk about, bitch? Anyway, So, they take Bess to somewhere and drop her off. And of course, at this point, I was like, and where's all the damn groceries she bought? Did they keep them? Did they go bad? Anyway, so like an elderly couple finds Bess, who apparently had been blindfolded and left somewhere. They were like, don't walk or you'll get hit, but somebody's going to stop and see you and stop and pick you up. So, I guess I left her on like the side of a turnpike or some shit. Anyway, this old couple is like, did your sorority haze you? And Bess is like, oh yeah, hilarity. Um, can you take me back to blah blah? And she's only like a fucking mile away or some shit. Anyway, so they let her out in the corner, and Bess and George are like, oh my god, Bess, are you okay? And like at this point, it's like one o'clock in the fucking morning, and Bess and George were like, oh my god, where's Bess? The, like the cops are doing absolutely. We don't we don't know where she is. Is she okay? And then Bess comes in and she's like hey. And they're like, oh my god. And Bess is like, look, I've had a day. Can I please have like a fucking apple pie a la mode and go to bed? And they were like, that seems reasonable. So in the morning, they go over everything. And they were like, Bess, you are a badass. And we love it. You need to always be like that. Because again, that's a little bit out of character for her. Um. Anyway, they they know that probably something, something's going on with the bookstore, because the fucking, the guy who owns the fucking bookstore comes and knocks on the Sung's door at, like, some ridiculous, like, four o'clock in the morning or some shit, and then he, like, tries the doorknob, and I think the girls are sleeping in there at that point, because they're, they're trying to see if anybody's going to come back and try any more shit, or, like, look for anything, or whatever, and so they're like, he, he's got to be fucking involved, he's got to be, so then, the the friend who took the job at the um at the bookstore calls Nancy, and she's like, "I was fired." And Nancy's like, "What the shit? You you were working there for like three hours, and he fired you?" And she was like, "Yeah, I was like, like I think that he was nervous because I was like trying to be a good detective." And Nancy's like, "That's always how it is. If they know that you're good, they want to get rid of you. Tell me everything." So. Apparently, um, she overheard him on the phone and he said something like she won't be a problem for long or something like that. And she saw a, an invoice maybe for some, I think it was Mahjong sets. I think that's what it was. And they were, I think going to Hong Kong or something like that. Anyway, so Nancy decides that she, and Nancy's like, can you tell me anything else about the place? And she decides that she needs to break into the place because there's a safe in there. So Nancy manages to, oh, she does something that was actually pretty interesting. I don't remember who she meets or how she meets her, but um, maybe it's like one of Eloise's friends, or I think it is one of Eloise's friends. Um, Nancy goes to some other used bookstores, buys some rare books of the type that she has seen in that bookstore, and then gets the friend to contact the bookstore owner and be like, hey, I've got some books if you'd like to come to my place and check them out and see if you'd like to purchase them to get him out of the store. So she's able to, while he's out of the store, get into his office, get into the safe, and there she finds the fucking manuscript. So she's like, yeah, bitch, you did it. Caught you red-handed. And then, like, somebody knocked her the fuck out. And she's like, of course. <laughs> um, I think that she ends up in, like, the basement of the place or something like that, and so her friends are like, she never left, and the cops came to basically make sure that everything went okay, and he went into the store and never appeared to leave, so they find, like, a, like, a basement exit, like, you can go in the basement and exit, like, at the next building or some shit, but anyway, of course, by that time the manuscript's gone, he manages to get away without anybody seeing him because he goes out that secret exit, and so they're like, okay, um, it's, it's time. We're going to go to Hong Kong. That's, that seems like the most reasonable place. So when, oh, the friend who is working at the, well, was working at the bookstore, who was one of the granddaughter's friends at college, she's like, oh yeah, there's going to be a trip to Hong Kong. Like our group is taking a trip there. And we've got seats on the plane if you're going to be, like, part of the party. But you have to, like, you'll get kicked off if anybody else from the college decides they want to go. So Nancy's like, fuck yeah, that sounds great. Um, let me get seats for me and Bess and George. And they find out that Trueheart, or whatever the fuck her name is, um, is also going to be on that plane. She's the busybody customer at the bookstore who was like, oh my god, he's, in, he's always late. And you're like, why are you always here? Is he your pimp? What's happening? So anyway, she's supposed to be on the plane, and Nancy was like, fuck, okay, I mean, we'll just roll with it, it's fine, so. I think, I think that, um, Carson actually gets a seat on the plane, like, he's able to make it to the plane, and they, ooh, but there is, um, Nancy receives a warning, and I think that that's associated with the oven exploding, that's like, you know, if you get on that plane, it will explode, and Nancy's like, son of a bitch, well, we can't have that, and so she thinks about it, and she's like, when Eloise's apartment was broken into, it didn't make any sense, because nothing was stolen, like, things were, it was clear that the place had been broken into, but not that anything had happened, like, they didn't trash the place or anything, Uh, they blew up the oven, and Nancy was like, huh, there's been a lot of stuff that they've known that we were doing that they shouldn't have known, so she looks around, and she actually finds a listening device in the kitchen, like she finds a little receiver and a little cord that goes out to an antenna. I think like I was like it's 1961. This does not get smart. That there was a lot of shit they had to do. Um, so Nancy's like, oh, oh no, if if the plane's gonna explode, like we we can't do it. And Bess is like, yeah, my parents are not a fans of me being on exploding planes. I I would not do this. And George is like you know me, I would like to kick whoever did this in the nuts, but okay. I mean, if y'all don't want to go, I guess we can't go. And then Nancy reaches over and like snips the cord. <laughs> so, um, the, she of course alerts the cops who are sitting by the phone waiting for her to call, like their crushes waiting for somebody to call for prom. And Nancy's like, hey, so somebody planted a listening device in my aunt's apartment. I want you to track it down, find out who's doing it and follow them. And so they do, because what the fuck else do they have to do? They are cops in New York City in 1961. They got some people to hit with billy clubs and also whatever Nancy Drew tells them to fucking do. So... Um, they follow him. They let him listen to the recording because of course that's what Nancy wanted. She wanted them to think that she wasn't going to take that plane. They wait for him to go back to his home base and they track him down. So they've got him and his Confederates, but they don't have the main, the main people of the gang. And Nancy's like, that's fine. At least it's not two scoops of raisin scorpions that we're talking about this week. So, um, so Nancy gets on the plane with her father and, but they've decided that they need to act like they don't know each other, which is adorably dumb, but it's fine, um, and then there's a fucking bomb threat on the plane, like, the marshals come through the plane, and they're like, everybody act natural, we just, we got a report of a bomb threat, and AC's like, what the shit, we told them we weren't gonna be on this plane, son of a bitch, so, it appears that they probably did want to plant something but then when Nancy said she wasn't going to be on the plane like they just didn't and then when they found out she was going to be on the plane like all they had time to do was call it a bomb threat so they do a thorough search of the plane they don't find any bomb they're confident that if there had been a bomb they would have found it and Nancy's like cool so today could legit be the day that I die so okay Cool, let's let it play out. And so the, the pilots are like, Yeah, let's do this. Fuck it. <laughs> so they go. The plane does not explode. There's there's nothing weird that happens. So So that's fun. Um they get to Hong Kong. Ned meets their plane. And of course Nancy's like, Oh my god, I'm no, act Natural, it's fine. We're not banging, it's fine. And so Ned's like, Yes, I found accommodations for you. They get into his Oh my god. Is this a salmon colored car? Has that already, was that from a previous book? I just remember him being like absurdly proud of his salmon colored car and the girls being like, fuck yeah, we are here for this shit. Anyway, oh my God, Lord. Um, So he takes them to their accommodations. So a, a fancy upscale hotel where he gives them a little bit of background on Hong Kong and the fact that in 1999, the lease is going to expire and it's a British crown colony. And you're like, I love that you're being an adorable little travelogue. I love it. Also, yes, everything that you said came to pass. Um, (laughs) so he takes him to the hotel and he's like, yes, I reserved a three room suite for you since there are so many of you. And I knew that Nancy would want her own bedroom for reasons. Oh my God. So I forgot that, um, when they were in China, As I was flipping through the book, I saw that there was a two, like a double page line drawing of Nancy rubbing her head after she got hit in the head with a fucking flower pot and managed to survive it. Um, yeah, she and like, she and Bess and George and Aunt Eloise, when they were still in New York, went to a restaurant in Chinatown and Nancy was, Nancy spotted somebody and she was following them and a flower pot like is thrown off like a third story fucking balcony and like smashes her in the face. And she's like, I'm going to walk it off. And everybody's like, You shouldn't though. Um, anyway, um, going back to Ned getting a three bedroom suite with a living room. Ned says, since prices here are lower than in the States, I engaged a three bedroom suite with a living room. Nancy may want to entertain one or more villains, including yourself. Nancy teased, call me anything you like. Ned responded, but just let me stick around. And I was like, yes, to all this. They have some interesting spicy role play for their bedroom times. I'm a villain. And I've got handcuffs. Um, how much time can you spend away from college? Nancy asked him a few days. Shall we go? And I'm like, we're going to pretend to be married and it's going to be epic. So anyway, is it? A- Oh, they refer to it as Ned's small foreign car, and I'm like, he's in fucking Hong Kong. What? What kind of car did you want him? Did you want him to fucking airlift a Jeep? Like, how did you think this was gonna play out? Some sort of large American car that he was just gonna be like, you know what, bitch, I want to stick out like a fucking store thumb. Anyway, anyway. So Nancy, of course, talks through everything, and he's like, and Ned whistles, and I was like, this is bad luck in Russia to whistle indoors. Why the fuck do I have that in my head? Um, he's like, you picked a honey this time, and I'm like, also you are her honey. Yes. That's fine. So, of course, for fuck's sake, I can't, I cannot emphasize this enough. Um, Ned is stuck to her like glue for this trip, which I'm here for. Please do not misunderstand that. Oh my God. Yes. But it's, it is hilarious because Ned's like, tell me where to start. I'm here for you, girl. I'm here for you. I am your bestie. I am, I'm everything. I'm every woman. So Nancy's like, okay, first thing that I think we should do is check out Mahjong sets. And that's like, sure. Like there's, <laughs> there's a thing yeah, there, there's a lot of things where Ned's like, I'm 100% completely devoted to you. I cannot emphasize that enough. And I'm like, yes. Again, hashtag relationship goals. So they go check out Mahjong Says. They go to a, I think it's a place that maybe maybe the address that they found on the invoice, some shit, anyway, so they go in there, and they're like, oh, mahjong sets, we, we are interested for reasons, and so he shows them a bunch of different sets, and Nancy's like, do you have anything, like, super fancy, and they've got some, like, inlaid with gold or something, but anyway, um, the thing is that because the words mahjong sets were underlined, um, she's curious about that, he says he just got a new shipment, um, I think that she finds one that seems to have a lot of interesting inlaying, and she finds secret hiding places in it and she's like, Okay, if I wanted to smuggle something out of the country that were fairly small, then this would be one way to do it. I could just you know put it in these little holes in these Mahjong sets, and as soon as I come over to the United States, I could just extract it from there and there we go, like this seems reasonable, and that's like this is why I love you so They have to figure out, though, where this stuff is coming from, basically. Like, they have to figure out the extent of the criminal enterprise, because, of course, the cops are absolutely useless. Um, The twin brother, who you may remember me mentioning, the twin brother of the elderly gentleman who was now in the hospital, which they did finally tell him. And they were like, yeah, so your granddaughter's been kidnapped. And he was like, bitch, I know. Like, oh, my God. He figured it out. He didn't figure it out immediately, but he, he pretty much figured it out. He was like... If she knew I was in the hospital, because apparently she sent some forged note that it wasn't even in her handwriting. That was like, oh, I'm I'm still with friends, and don't worry about me, and bye. And he was like, no, if she knew I was here, she would come back. Like that that was bullshit. So anyway, but his twin brother used to be the chief of police in Shanghai, and Nancy's like, that seems useful. I'm sure that he's still got police connections and we can just work some stuff out. So, um, so they decide to, I think that somebody says something about, oh, it's the fucking busybody from the bookstore. They see her at a place where you can buy mahjong sets and she drops something. And so Nancy and Ned go over and pick it up very casually, just super low key. They're like, Oh, we're just making out and also picking up the slip of paper. And it says the name of a walled city. And Ned delivers a little bit of exposition on walled cities. He's like, Yeah, they're they're kind of rednecky, like not legit rednecky, but rednecky. Like tiny Kentuckys. and they roll up the sidewalks at night and they don't like outsiders. And I'm just saying, and so there's a bunch of farming and Nancy's like, would that be of any significance? And that's like, uh, they're, they're seen as pretty poor. So if somebody came in and said, um, this one weird trick from a local grandmother can earn you a million dollars, they might fall for it. So anyway, which again felt super colonialist, like, uh, it was a bit cringe. Um, anyway, so they decide they're going to go to one of these places when, I can't remember exactly how this happens. It may be at this point. They go to, like, a local airport, I guess, to rent a helicopter, because that's apparently going to be the quickest way for them to get to one of these wild cities, Ned goes in to reserve the helicopter and Nancy's out looking because I think the one has just arrived and she's wondering if that can be the one that they take. When a woman who looks remarkably like the kidnapped granddaughter is like, Nancy. And Nancy's like, H- holy shit, what? And she's like, hey, you've been looking for me. Come over here. And Nancy's like, what? Wh- how, how? What the shit? And so she's like, come come over. I'm on this plane. Like... I- I just need to talk to you. How's my grandfather doing? And Nancy's like, this feels like a trap. <laughs> but, um, you know, if she can give me some sort of clue, I'm, I'm going to do it. So she waits until she sees Ned coming out of the airport and goes onto the plane because she's like, if anything happens, then at least Ned will have a, Ned will know where I am and he can come get me when immediately they grab her and like tie her up and take off. And that's like the shit because he doesn't have time to do anything. And so they're like, yes, we, we are going to take you to where she is. And you have been interfering with all of our plans and blah, blah. And Nancy's like, "Uh uh-huh. So she gets her lipstick out of her bag. Okay. Again, her hands are secured behind her back. She gets her lipstick out of her bag manages to get over to the window while they're like running their mouths, monologuing about their villainy plans. And she writes SOS and lipstick in reverse on the window of the plane without looking. Because guess what, bitch? She is next level on this shit. She's been practicing and she got your ass. So they're in flight Ned fucking gets the fucking national guard it's it's not it's not the national guard, but it's like whatever the local equivalent of the fucking military is, like maybe the royal fucking Air Force he gets them to scramble off the closest like aircraft carrier or some shit, and they go they go the fuck after this little airplane they get them they're like. And Nancy's able to hear it when they're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? They, they've they got missiles. <laughs> Nancy's like, yeah, that would be my boyfriend who would have arranged that. So you're going to want to let go of me. And so they land the plane. They're like, fuck it. Like, the two of the henchmen people are like, we just power through this. And the pilot's like, fuck no. I am not going to power through this shit. No, no. So they land. Ned's like, oh, my God, are you okay? And Nancy's like, yeah, I'm good. Thank you for finding me. And so she's like, I just need to take, like, a, a power nap. <laughs> and she fucking does. Like, she takes a little power nap. And then she's like, okay, let's let's go find some more clues. And Ned's like, girl, I have never met anyone like you. My God, you, you can take it. And I was like, yes, she can, bitch. Yes, she can. Anyway did they have a quickie at this point? I think she wanted a longie, but anyway, Ned, um, because I think they're kind of waiting for, like, some clues to come in, or they're waiting for something that they've got organized to happen, um, Ned decides to take her to this, it's a floating restaurant, actually, and it's they've got all sorts of delicacies and things that she's never tried before and she's she's charmed by it. She and she's like, Yeah, you've you've been to this place before and that's like, Yeah, I've been I've been scouting out places to take my girl. And Nancy's like, You're adorable. I love you. Um, so yeah, they're having dinner together. I think that Bess and George show up because they have been following the busybody. Like Nancy assigned them to that task. That's what they've been doing. So they're like girl, she shops until she drops. They decided, though, that Bess was going to approach her and be like, hey, like, I I really love your taste in things, so let's shop together. So that's what they ended up doing. So, of course, Bess and George are like, this has been the longest day of our lives. So that's one. Um... They will. Oh, I think that actually, like, part of the thing that they do that night as well is they. I think it's in the restaurant. Um, it's like a Chinese drama, like it's a a play that they're performing, and so they sit there and listen for a while. And Nancy's like, I don't quite understand. Like, there are people, there are families there, like with picnics that are spread out, and like people just kind of treating it like background noise. And Nancy's like, I I don't understand. Like, why why aren't they paying attention? Like, this is really beautiful. And that's like, oh, okay. So they value re- repetition. So this to them is very familiar. Like it's a thing that they hear constantly. So like it's, this is a, a going to be like a fucking 12 hour performance. It's like a soap opera that it's like comfort food. So it's, it's a social activity, but, and it serves to remind them of traditions, but it's also like a, not necessarily a thing that they're going to be enwrapped about. And so, Nancy's like, that is fascinating. And so, they stay for, like, an hour, and Ned's like, okay, we can go. And Nancy's like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) Like, she's just, she's really enjoying it, basically. Um, Yeah, so, again, Ned's like, Ned's with Nancy for pretty much all of this. They do go back to campus for something, like, maybe to consult with a, a professor about something. I'm not quite, I can't exactly quite remember what, and it could be, about like walled cities or where the likeliest places for them to locate the smugglers or whoever it is. Um, When Ned finds out that apparently the campus has been contacted and been told that Ned is a bad guy, um, that he's been involved in some stuff and the government might want to like do something about it. And Ned's like, well, fuck that. (laughs) I'm just not going to get back until we've got this finished. Um, They do. And in fact, go to the walled city, They go to a farm that's right outside the the gates of the walled city. So it's technically right outside the walled city. And I think, I don't know if it's exactly there, but they do find out that there are some poor farmers nearby who um, had been talked into basically taking, taking gold and turning it into small, whatever, small amounts of gold that would fit into the mahjong sets and Nancy's like, did did they know that they were doing bad things? And Ned's like, uh, apparently they knew that it was probably sketch, but they were so destitute that they were like, well, I mean, we're not technically doing the bad things. So so they basically figured it out. It's, um, it's gold that's been beaten down into shapes that's going to fit in there and put into the Mahjong sets as soon as they arrive in the United States. They remove the gold and then they just resell it at, you know, a touristy place or whatever, so... So that's it. But they still have to find the granddaughter. Like that's the thing. The I don't know I think I think they locate the manuscript but it also feels like a complete afterthought at this point and it's also not not the central focus of the book, not the central focus of the the robbers. It honestly makes it sound like they're magpies, and it was the thing that caught their attention. Or like a red herring, like, oh, we, that was what we were after the whole time, and your granddaughter's just traveling with friends, IDK. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so they find out that there's going to be some sort of exchange or trade-off or something at a fireworks display. so again, giving us the the front of the book. So they go there. Um, Nancy actually gets grabbed like they're, they're, um, positioned at different strategic locations, trying to keep an eye on everything that's happening. Like Ned's in a separate place, Bess and George are in a separate place. Nancy's in a separate place and uh, Nancy gets grabbed and they're like, you know, what, what have you found out or blah, blah, or whatever. Um, and she is picked up and taken to where the granddaughter is. And Nancy's like, perfect, like 10 out of 10, no notes. Um, the way that they meant, what they meant by you're never going to find her is that she's on one of the, they refer to it as like a floating city. It's, um, it's a bunch of boats that are engaged in commerce, basically, that are out on, like in that area of Hong Kong. And like, they move all the time. So you're unless you know exactly what you're doing, you're not going to find them. Um, they're so close together that you can actually walk between them. Ned hires one of them to take them to the floating restaurant. So Nancy had seen that part before, but she didn't, she had never even considered that. So, um, the, like the relative of one of the people who was involved in the gang, like it's is that person's boat that she's been kept on. And Nancy's like, oh, So she finds out from the granddaughter that the granddaughter had heard about the smuggling and she had been so freaked out that she had basically decided she was going to go to the authorities and they found out about it and kidnapped her. And that was, that's been the whole point. Like they kidnapped her because she knew about the, about the smuggling. She knew too much. Why didn't they kill her? Excellent question. They weren't trying to ransom her. It's like, I guess they felt too squeamish about it or whatever. So almost immediately, actually, um they get loose, (laughs) and Nancy's like, yeah, we're, we're gonna get you, bitches, and I think, I think they managed to get off the boat, like, that's, that's what happens, Nancy manages to get them both off the boat, and get their hands free, so they can swim, they pull themselves up onto somebody else's boat, um, Nancy explains the circumstances, and the mother and daughter who are running the boat, like, that's what they do, that's, that is their job, they just do basically a, their Uber, With a boat, they're very muscular and they deliver Nancy and the granddaughter to shore. Where, of course, Ned is like, Oh my gosh, I can't, are you okay? And Nancy's like, Yeah, we're doing great. And here's the granddaughter, and and fantastic. And so they catch the bad guys, and everything's good. Everything's good. Seriously, like the, the book ends fairly abruptly. Um, Nancy, of course, at the end of the book, is like, Damn the high of solving the mystery is bleeding off. And now I'm wondering again, when shall I ever enjoy my first and most important love? Ned Nickerson. No, I mean, um, mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so that's, that's basically it. They've solved the mystery. They have, they reunite the granddaughter with the grandfather. Um, Ned, of course, is going to finish out his time in Hong Kong slash the secret service. I do love the idea that that's, that's been the whole point the whole time, is that Ned's in the Secret Service, and that explains everything. Why does he have that extensive collection of mustaches? Why is it that he likes to do a lot of role play? Why does he have these handcuffs? These real handcuffs, not play ones. Anyway. Or that he's been Nancy's bodyguard this whole time. Yes. I love everything about that idea. Um, except for why is he in Hong Kong? Um, no, it's fine. So yeah, the day is saved. Everybody is good again. So next week we'll be doing... Ooh, let me see. What's after Fire Dragon? The Dancing Puppet. I feel like Ned pops up in the Dancing Puppet. I'll have to flip through and make sure that he does. If Which the Dancing Puppet is actually a little bit freaky, because when they say puppet, you're like, oh, it's like a little, no, it's like life-sized, so just for full creepy effect, perfect for nearly Halloween, so anyway, until next time, stay sleuthy, my friends.